Greetings and welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect a movie or TV show from my Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy, joining me as Pops, and today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man 2. Or uh, soap opera number two, it could be called, too. <laughs> okay. But yes, welcome everybody. Chick flick number two, how about that? Mm. It kind of could be that way. I guess. But, well, you know, let's... Uh, Talk. It was so popular the first one, right? That they chose to do a second one, and it was even more popular. I think I shared last week with you that this was my favorite one. Uh huh. And um, I almost forgot why it was my favorite one, but okay, definitely. Well, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen it since right. I've watched it. Right. Uh, because compared to the other ones, uh, it's it is more of a character uh, evaluation or a molding of the character arc and everything that makes who they are who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one we had two origin stories. Uh, in this one, we really only had the one uh, new origin story, uh-huh. but we had a heavier development of uh, Peter Parker's uh, origin and his development as a character. Uh-huh. So it was definitely uh, much more interesting in that aspect of the uh, movie itself. Yeah. So let's get into it a little bit. Uh, release date, uh, the for everybody was June thirtieth, right. two thousand four. So yep. a little bit over two years. Uh huh. Had a bigger budget this time around. Oh yeah. And um, also made more money. Right. <laughs> more money. Yes. So that was pretty good. And again, the story, uh, I'm sure you know, was inspired by uh, actually three sets of comics, Mm -hmm. which again uh, shows Sam Raimi's knowledge of the Spider-Man character himself and the vision that he had for the movie. Yeah. So which which ones were you talking about? Well, they're... The Doc Ock pretty much was from the original uh, Dr. Octopus from the original uh, comic book. I think that was in 64. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you're talking about um, the uh, If This Be My Destiny story arc, which is issue, Amazing Spider-Man 31 through 33, I think. Right. That was the uh, that was the first one. Yeah, I, I read those. Yes, and did you go with uh, Spider-Man No More? Did you read any of those? Yeah, that was uh, Amazing Spider-Man 50, which is also, yeah, I could definitely see the homage to that in the film as well. So what was the third one? Uh, no, they're also from the, uh, the uh, If This Be My Destiny, that was in 66. And then 67 was uh, Spider-Man No More. Okay. Those were the two story arcs, and actually, the if this be my destiny, that was like one of the few uh, comic books at that time that uh, used the story arc 
uh, profile or what have you. Where right, they, right, right. Yeah, where in, it's multiple where issues. They took, yeah. yeah, multiple issues to tell one story. Yeah. Uh, there weren't many at the time that were doing that. Right. And, uh, but they, he got a lot of the Doc Ock stuff from the 64 comic, the first, uh, oh, okay. the issue first that like, came out. Yeah, like issue 10 or something yes. like that. Yes, yeah. yes. So, yeah, I read uh, that one a long time ago, so. Yes, and, you know, it just, I took a look at this, and, um, I did watch a lot of the extras. Okay. That came with the film. Yeah. Well, because... Again, I told you how much I really enjoyed this film, and I just kind of forgot why. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you remember all these little things about the movie, and I guess we really don't need to get into the movie, because I think that most of our listeners have probably seen Spider-Man 2, maybe more than three or four times. Yeah, and I would say that this probably was like... You know, as you alluded to, the performance of the box office and everything. And, you know, I think a lot of the the story choices and things like that, it was, I think, the first superhero movie that was trying to get the widest appeal possible. And it really paid off for them. This was, Spider-Man 2 in particular, was a cultural event. And... Sony in particular really capitalized on that. I remember when the Sony launched the uh, PlayStation Portable, the, their system, it came in with the pack-in movie of Spider-Man 2. I mean, that's how popular this movie was. So, And, and the, the Spider-Man 2 video game, even that it was based on, considered one of the best Spider-Man games uh, of that, uh, that, that came out since uh, the beginning of uh, Spider-Man video games, which there have been a number of them, and they've all been... Very hit or miss when it comes to quality, but Spider-Man 2 is one of the more highly thought of games. Yes, uh, it was very successful. And, you know, this almost was a going to be a different Spider-Man. Okay. Because Tobey Maguire was uh, in the process of filming Seabiscuit. Yep. And he got injured. He hurt his back. Huh. And they were contemplating, actually, the actor that played Mysterio Jake in Gyllenhaal. Far From Home. Yeah. Yes. He was, they were looking at him as possibly replacing Toby. I can see that. But he did, I guess Toby did, uh, he's got better mm-hmm. and was able to do it. So that was a good thing. Oh. Because the familiarity of the characters yeah. uh, and the flow of it... Uh, well, you know, Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. one thing that I saw in one of the specials was that he tries to keep just uh, the same people with him. Right. You know, the same uh, gaff guys, you know, yep. the makeup guys. Right. Everybody. Yeah. We even, again, get another cameo from Bruce Campbell. Yes, I saw him this time. Yes, okay, good. Well, I find, did you see uh, Stan Lee's uh, cameo in this one? I missed it. Just like you missed it in the first one, because it was almost the exact same okay. cameo. He's saving somebody from falling debris, is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. I said, 
they didn't even have to shoot it again. They could have used the first oh, one, yeah. but it was different, you know, because he was in uh, the part where uh, Ock had taken Aunt May yeah. up the side of the wall and yes. a brick fell down and he pulled some uh, away. Ah, okay, okay. So, but that was his little cameo. Huh. And actually, another one of the special features, he, uh, Stan admitted that he wanted to play Jay Jonah. Hmm. He thought, he said, I love that character and I so wanted to play him. <laughs> but he said, JK did such an awesome job. Yeah. It's like, and like we know, he reprised his role with the yeah. uh, MCU Spider-Mans. Right. And, you know, that's funny. I don't know if I could see Stan Lee doing J. Jonah Jameson. He just, Stan Lee is such an affable, nice guy. There's no way he could be that cruel and, and nasty like you know, J. Jonah Jameson is. Like J.K. Simmons. Yes. Right, exactly. He played that role perfect. Yeah, I'd agree. Well, again, so... Without getting into the movie, uh, there's a lot of things we can discuss and talk about. Well, let's talk about the the story arcs of the source material first. And that kind of oh, sets yes, the stage. Please, so I that, think that would be wonderful. That makes it yes. more, you know, I think accessible. So I do, I do want to talk about the if this be my destiny story arc first. I think that it's um, really interesting. So what happens in the the story is that there's this crime syndicate that's, you know, trying to take over New York. Uh, not take over New York, but just, you know, do a lot of crazy, you know, heist stuff. And, and Peter's in the exact same life season that he is in the film. So Peter Parker is a first year. In fact, I think he's starting at university, Empire State University. And, you know, he's a science major. Flash is there. Uh, Gwen Stacy is there, Harry's there, and um, at the same time, Aunt May has fallen ill, and they don't know what's wrong with her. She's in the hospital, and so he's been preoccupied with taking care of his aunt, and it turns out that she has this uh, condition where her there's some radioactivity in her blood, and so uh, Peter thinks that he's the cause of that because uh, in prior issues, he gave her a blood transfusion, so he thinks that his radioactive spider blood is responsible for that. But anyway, uh, suffice to say, uh, he goes to his, one of his professors, Dr. Connors, who also makes an appearance in the film. And Dr. Connors says there's this, there's this experimental treatment that's uh, coming from the West Coast that can, they can get a hold of before it gets to them. It gets intercepted by the goons from this guy called the Planner. Nobody knows who he is. And it turns out it's Doc Ock. And so uh, Spider-Man uh, goes to his underwater lair to get the the treatment back from the goons of Doc Ock. And there was this big cliffhanger because he gets uh, caught under some rubble and there's a leak in the undersea base and the, the leak is getting bigger. And so there's, there's, there's this iconic picture of Spider-Man drowning under debris. Um, it's really, really iconic. I mean, just the way Steve Ditko drew it, it was like, oh, I, yes. I, like I can't, I can't, like even for like something as old as something in the 1960s, it it looks so striking today. Anyway, he, he right. I think that that would be a interesting uh, gift if you could get that picture. Oh yeah, 
You know, because yeah. remember we talked about the uh, the Thor issues uh-huh. that we and we looked those up and we saw some pictures of those. You remember? Oh yeah, yeah. The the yeah, so the uh, Marvel Unlimited versions of these comics they stay pretty cl- uh, true to the original coloring, so it it looks good. Uh, doesn't doesn't look like it's uh, been kind of you know they they didn't do a whole lot to it. They they just tried to stay true to the original, which is good. Anyway. Yes, it uh, was a very iconic picture. Yeah, yeah. So he he goes and finds the inner strength to overpower it, and he goes to, um, he's able to get just in the nick of time. They get the treatment Aunt May, and she's fine. But it, it's interesting that you know his interactions with his friends, uh, and he's it, it's like trying to figure out how to balance all of those things. And, and just like in the film, there's this um animosity between spider-man and, and j jonah jameson and so um you know there's he's trying to balance all of those things and he's doing it very poorly and so um that that's kind of the first story arc the second one with uh, spider-man number 50 yeah spider-man no more yes thank you yeah so that that one actually features the kingpin and the kingpin yes is uh so peter parker again he can't balance everything so he said you know what i'm just gonna give it up and like in the movie he also uh due to stress loses some of his powers and so he decides to uh throw in the towel and just kind of be there's lots of things that he feels that he's missing out on because of spider-man you know things like you know there's there's a um interesting love triangle type of thing happening between mary jane and gwen stacy and him and you know harry uh norman is still alive in that one and he or norman wants us to offer uh, a job to Peter as a lab assistant. He can't take that up because he's always trying to be, you know, Spider-Man during the night. And, you know, he feels like he's ignoring Aunt May at that time in his life. And so there's this, he feels like he can't balance everything. And so he realizes he feels that Spider-Man has to go. And that's, that's what it is because everybody hates him anyway, because he thinks, because J. Joe Jameson turned him into, you know, against the people. And so he says, you know what? Good riddance. I'm going to do it. And so it takes, remembering what happened to uncle ben in order to say hey actually i have these powers and if i don't put them to good use um i am not you know there there it's it's funny because it, it it really reminds me of the parable of the talents in the bible where christ right right you know, he talks yes. about the master he gives you know five talents to one servant two to another and one to the other so he is the servant with the five talents and he is burying those ta- one of those ta- big talents instead of you know using them, and so I think he feels like he can't do that anymore. That's where he finds the strength to go back to being Spider-Man, and very similar to the film, you know, he he uh, uh, steals the uniform back from from uh, Jameson, and you know makes makes an exit from there. So that, th- those are the two ones I think are very much uh, faithful to the to the film, which is pretty cool. Right, and in the film, there's quite a few homages, mm-hmm. or and some exact duplicates. Yeah, the scenes. Of, yeah, of the scenes. Yep, absolutely. In the uh, because where he gets his strength to uh, get himself, prevent himself from being drowned and lifts. Right. You know yep. that thing up. It's kind of the same as when they're in that. Uh, abandoned warehouse on the wharf that's right and he's holding the wall up exactly yep you know it's almost it's an homage to it it's not the exact same thing but it is 
Definitely. And the same thing with the storyline. Yep. It's not Gwen Stacy. It's not Kingpin. Right. Um, but basically the same story. Right. And just for grins, if you remember the part where the guy brought the Spider-Man suit into J. Joe Janus and he right. says, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. Right. And he said, I could get more on eBay for yeah. that. So I actually went to eBay to look up Spider-Man costumes. And I have to tell you yeah. that there were like 88 pages of Spider-Man mm. costumes. So, And I have to say that he gave him 100 bucks for it, I think, finally. Right. And uh, I didn't find one on there that was close to 100 bucks. Okay. So believe it or not, you could pick up one for as low as twenty bucks, uh, but you could get some really nice, sophisticated ones for yeah. around eighty bucks. Okay. So Good if our listeners or anybody would want to have a Spider-Man outfit, yeah. Well, there you go. Unless, of course, somebody has one of the thirty-five different. Uh, Spider-Man costumes that they made for this particular movie. Oh, okay. They actually, if you, I guess if you could get a hold of one of those, I bet it would cost quite a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it was really interesting uh, what they did. And I thought that they actually tweaked the costume between one and two. Oh, yeah. Uh, ever so slightly. Uh, the colors are a little darker. Yeah. Uh, they made the webbing different. Right. Yeah, that's the first um, thing I noticed. Yes. Uh, did a wonderful job of it. And uh, it was kind of cool. One of the specials was how they did that. Mm -hmm. How they remade the costume yeah. with the webbing. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And uh, there were like over a hundred different people that made the costumes, individually did like a certain part of the costume. It was crazy. Right. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Again, like I said, uh, the family, his brother was in it again. Yeah. Uh, Sam's brother. Uh, but, you know... He has got a, Sam Raimi has got a, like, almost that B uh, movie horror. Oh, yeah. You know, that's kind of his thing. It is. And I really kind of noticed that more. It wasn't, you know, to me, it was light horror. Right. But the way that Doc... Uh, yeah, there's one arms. scene. Yeah, it's the one scene. That you yeah. could tell. Yeah, okay, I got that. Yeah. You know, you could feel that little eerie feeling, you know? Yeah, that I there's two things going on there. I think you're you're absolutely right. I mean, number one is Yeah, and, and we're talking about the scene where Octavius, the um arms are controlled by an AI that's become sentient and the inhibitor chip that was preventing that happening has been broken. So they uh, wrongly assume that Octavius is dead. And so they're going to try to surgically remove the stuff. And then all of a sudden the arms come back to life and they pretty much massacre an entire surgery room full of doctors and nurses. And so I think the most evocative thing about it is, number one, 
uh, you'll notice that there was no music at all in that scene. Right? No, not at all. So that that was the first thing. And then the other thing was the uh, the frenetic editing that happened in there. So it was like you would just see a couple, like a fraction of a second worth of like the arms like moving around and then people screaming and, you know, lots of stuff like that. So that that to me was classic Sam Raimi. That, that one yeah, scene. Yeah, shadows too. You would yeah. see them happening in the shadows. Exactly. So I, I think that was actually really done well. I think that actually plays to Raimi's strengths. Um, but but that was like the only real scene, I think, that you get, you get the true essence of a, a Sam Raimi movie. That's, the rest of it is just, you know, pretty standard superhero stuff. Right. Well, a little bit here and there. Yeah, nothing. Uh, I'm not saying that that wasn't a value judgment. I I just said that. I just my point was that you know, as as uh, Sam Raimi, as the kind of director that he is, I think he was most in his right. element doing that scene. Well, I also thought um, there was a scene where Doc was talking to one of the arms, and the arm kind of just. Yeah, turned it and looked at him like, "What? No, we're gonna do what we want, not what you want." You know, type of thing. Right. And that was like really eerie. I thought, "Wow, that was really, really good the way they did that." Yeah. And uh, another thing that I thought was really interesting was that uh, a lot of the actors and actresses did their own stunts. Oh, that's cool. Uh, even Rosemary Harris. Wow. Impressive. You know, the part where uh, she had a double and right. she made a comment, you know, because Toby does a lot of his sure. uh, own stunts and Kirsten uh, does a lot of her own stunts. Right. So the scene where uh, he saves her from Doc Ock and he brings her down to the ground. Uh-huh. Uh, they had this stunt double doing it and she said no i i want to try and do that and they're no no (laughs) we don't want anything to happen to you know and she's like no no please and they said that um they showed it when she did it and her sincerity when she talked to uh uh the spider-man guy the stunt guy or whoever was doing it uh, what she said to him, they kept in the movie because right. it was like so sincere and it was just like spur of the moment. And he says, but then after that, she said she wanted to do it again because she had so much fun with it. <laughs> so it was kind of a blast. That's funny. Now, um, Alfred Molina, on the other hand, yep. uh, he also did some of the stunts, uh-huh. but he's of the vein that, uh, you know what? I'm an actor. Right, right, right. The stunt guys are the stunt guys. Yeah. And they do their thing. I'm not going to have them act out my lines and do my stuff for me. So yeah. I don't want to take work away from them. Yeah, he, he would have really, well, uh, he actually would have done he, well. I, I was just thinking about He did a few stunts. He did do a yeah. few stunts. Well, my, my, my thought was, because I, I know... I think we talked about this when we talked about Endgame, but how like pretty much the last half of the movie, none of the actors are really in the movie. It's pretty much all of their stunt doubles, you know? Right, right. That's true. So, And not the case here, though. No, certainly not, which is, you know, obviously we're talking about 
uh, you know, like a what 15 year gap between the two. So I, I get that. That's true. So, well, also, um, there was something else that uh, they used in this movie that they didn't use in the first movie. Okay. And that was something that they called the spider cam. Okay. Yeah. S P Y D E R. Mm. Spider cam. What they did was, um, well, first of all, they used over a hundred locations and sets to make this movie. Okay. Between New York, LA and Chicago. All right. Uh, but the spider cam, what they did is they, uh, put them on long cords, Yeah, you know, through the city and they like put the cameras on this, uh, spider cam thing so that as you were watching the movie you could get the feeling that you were uh sliding down just swinging just like spider-man okay or you know so in other words with the first movie they had a guy an actual cameraman taking some of those shots and so he had to be with the actor Uh uh-huh or or the stunt double, whoever was doing that. So the flow, although they were able to make it flow nice, they didn't weren't able to do as many of those scenes as they were able to do in the second movie because of the fact that uh, even falling down from the top, they would take the camera and put it on a long cord from the top of the building and shoot it down real fast. Oh, okay. So you got you got the actual thought of that, and that was the same thing they did in Chicago. That's where they did the uh, train or yeah, subway sense. or yeah. uh, tram scene. Yeah, and the reason they did it there was because in Chicago, the buildings are closer to the train uh, than they are in New York. Okay, so because New York has some areas where they have it like that, but there's not. Uh, buildings that are real close on either side of it sure so they chose to do that part in chicago which i have to say that was a another spectacular uh shooting the photography was Mm. incredible yeah between that and the acting because i mean you really felt as if he was on the train and you felt as if, you know, everything was just happening like that, yeah. you know. Uh, which is one thing that I really appreciate about this movie is the fact that you get so involved in the people that you forget that they're actors. Yeah. You know, you can look at them and... You get so engrossed in the story, you know, that you almost like, really? Pete, punch out the usher and get in there and yeah. watch Mary Jane, you know? It's right. like, really? You're going to sit there? Or letting Harry slap him in the face. Yeah. You know, it's like, Really? Yeah. Why don't you just punch him into the wall, you know? Well, I mean, I can understand the his relationship with Harry, or friendship with Harry, is really complicated, right? Because 
You know, right now it is. Yes. Right. Well, I mean, he feels guilt, obviously, for having involvement in his father's death, even though he ultimately was not responsible for it. And so, right. you know, obviously he wants to tell Harry the truth about what really happened to absolve himself. But he doesn't want to do it because he wants to protect Harry as well, because no, figuring out, you know, revealing the truth that Harry's dad was a homicidal maniac with a, you know, crazy costume and a green glider would also hurt him. And so, you know, there's the, he he absorbs that in order to protect the people that he cares about in the same way he does the same thing with uh mary jane and you know throughout the the beginning or toward till the very end of the film he does that because he also wants to protect her he says that to her actually um in the end yeah yeah so i you know that's the other thing is that he cares about her he knew that uh you know the the bird and that's the thing is that you know we talk we talk a lot about like response you know great power great responsibility there's also a burden that is also there the burden of being spider-man it's not just a physical thing it's also an emotional uh thing as well and uh carrying that uh emotional weight of uh the challenges that someone like a spider-man would face uh putting those burdens on other people close to him would also be i think uh difficult you know i mean if and we see a little bit of that, like how uh, Peter reveals his side of the story to Aunt May about what happened to Uncle Ben and, um, you know, just the emotional weight that was put on Aunt May at the time. She All she could do was just get up and walk away. That's all she could do. And so, like, that's tough, you know, trying to figure out, like, um, you know, Without the people in your life being willing to take on those burdens for you, it's, you know, trying to figure out, is there, is it appropriate to do that? You know, finally, we find out that Mary Jane, she does want that. She, she says, you weren't even really considering that I actually would be willing to take on the burden of sharing your secret identity. And so I think that's also an important aspect of the story that really doesn't get worked out till the very end of the film. Uh, and you know what I I want to say about that again. This is uh, the actor's um, ability to make you think. For instance, uh, the way I'm going to say this: um, at the end of the first movie, uh-huh. she kisses Peter. Right. And you see her put her hands to her lips. And she has this look on her face like, I've been kissed like that before. Uh-huh. You know? And you think, just based on that expression, that uh, she knows he's Spider-Man. Or she suspects Specs, he's yeah. Spider-Man. Right. And we get this at the end of the second movie mm-hmm. where she's uh, confronts him and talks to him. She's in the wedding gown and uh, they kiss. And then he hears the sirens. Right. And she tells him, go get him tiger. Right. And then she has this expression on her face, like almost like, what did I get myself into now? <laughs> 
you know, she has this look on her face. And I don't know whether it's a hmm. worried look or if it's just like, did I make an error here? You know, oh. it, it, I don't know if, how you could read that, but I kind of saw that and said, okay, she's having second thoughts now. Hmm. And the movie's over now. So maybe it's like, you know, that's just. I didn't, I didn't get that at all, but. Right. Well, see, that's was the attention. point. That's, well, that's the point, though, that I read that into that. There are other people that are big Spider Man buffs, even way more than you or I. Yeah. And they could have read something totally different in that, but it was just that part of acting that you got that particular. It's the same thing with uh, Harry. When we first uh, get to see Harry and Dr. Octavius and they're there for the experiment, he seems to be trying to take the mantle of his father and, you know, be the successful uh person of Oscorp to bring Oscorp back to the forefront. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Um, but he still blames Spider-Man for his father's death, and he has this deep-set hatred yeah. at the same time. And so he, even though Peter's his friend, right, he does show this, uh, if you're really my friend, you know. Right. You wouldn't be, if you knew where this guy is or know who he is, you tell me. And that's, you kind of get that with the express, his expressions and yeah, uh, just the different ways that his mannerisms and things that he's done. Well, I think that the the interesting thing about that is like, it it seems that Harry has tried to keep himself distracted from facing all of that. By, you know, putting all of his efforts into uh, revitalizing Oscorp and trying to get it back into the, you know, success thing, which is why they hired Octavius, why they're working on this fusion reactor. And, you know, it's in that that part, the fusion reactor part actually is uh, kind of a, a unique thing besides the, you know, outside of the original source material stuff that Octavius is working on a fusion reactor for. You know, obviously, the idea behind fusion is that it creates more energy uh, than it takes to uh, fuel it. We don't that 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 type of fusion technology does not exist right now. I mean, we can we can achieve fusion power, but it takes more energy for us to get to fusion as opposed to uh, it uh, working the way that it does in the film. In fact, there was another right. well, movie. Well, it is I a saw, comic book. You know, there was another movie I saw recently where it had fusion in it too. Which was it? Oh, Dark Knight Rises, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that's always been kind of a MacGuffin, but um, but as soon as that takes a turn for the worse and to the negative, then Harry's, uh, you know, this distraction that he set up, he's got to deal with it now, and that's why I think you know he, um, um, you know, lashes out at Peter afterwards, and you know. Um, so I think that's the other thing. And then obviously after well, he was drinking too. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, that has a lot to do with it as well. And then, uh, for, for Harry's character arc at the very end, he starts seeing, 
his father in the mirror, and then he stumbles upon his father's bat cave, I guess. Um, so his yeah. goblin cave. Yeah, goblin lair or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. There you go, the goblin's lair. That yeah. sounds good. I so, like it. So that that's, you know... Um, so obviously there's going to be more Harry, uh, in the sequel that is set up at the, at the end of the film. So that, that's interesting. And then. Right. And one thing I was real happy about, uh, they could have gone and done another origin story with Professor Connors. Oh, sure. Which we didn't get until Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> right, we're not going to. Uh, but, but but you're, you're right. They, that they, could have gone in there, right. too, and they didn't. Yeah, they introduced Dr. Connors, which was great. I thought that was a really good, uh, very good nod to another character. And then they also introduced uh, John Jameson as well, which is another character that's going to... I don't know if he plays more of a role in the sequel, but certainly in the Spider-Man canon, he plays a very pivotal role in the the next thing that's going to be happening to uh, Peter Parker in this uh, in this trilogy. Yeah, although I don't I don't think maybe he doesn't really play a role in the third film. I don't remember. Ah, well, we'll find out next week. <laughs> we will because we will get into it then. But yeah. as for right now, we're uh, talking about number two. Sure, and. Uh, like the first movie, it has a confrontation at the end that, again, involves Mary Jane. Yes, that's And right. him. Yep. And we've had this ongoing thing with Peter and Mary Jane. Right. Uh, we remember from the end of the first movie that he said that he would always be her friend. Right, right, right. But we are now looking at Peter mm-hmm. struggling just to pay the rent. Right. We have an issue of him living in an apartment all by himself. He's not with Harry anymore. Right. Uh, at uh, it's a pretty actually pretty rundown place. Right. Compared to where he was staying before. Oh yeah. Um, and he's also we know that emotionally he probably. Couldn't be around Harry because of what happened with Norman. Absolutely. You know, so he had that issue. He sees that Mary Jane has been successful in her uh, acting now, but he's still, because he believes that he's protecting her, that he can't be near her. Right. So he every time he kind of sees her, she sh- already proved in the first movie, or she said to him that she loved him. Right. And he turned around and, you know, pretty much whiffed her aside, you know? Right. And just said, well, I just need to be friends. But he, he's so conflicted. Right. And again, this story follows the comics that... Do I be Spider-Man or do I be Peter Parker? Right. Uh, Why can't I be happy? Why can't I have love? Right. You know, and 
we see, and we, you know, even his university, we had the issue at the university where he was struggling with his work. Right. And so we had that time where psychologically he wasn't having his powers and he goes to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you know, maybe you're not supposed to be Spider-Man climbing up the wall. Right, yeah. You know, so he, we get this uh, raindrops keep falling on my head, this little sequence right? where, you know, he's doing everything, which I thought it was so cool. He's walking down the road, then all of a sudden he falls down because he doesn't have his glasses on and he can't see. Yep. But he's looking all happy and everything, and then boom, on the ground. Then he puts his glasses on and he's better. But I thought it was interesting how he was starting to be more himself as Peter Parker. Yep. And uh, he said, you know, you kind of knew that's because you know this story arc that it's not going to last. Oh, tell Mary Jane that he's changed. Right. And she goes, yeah, I can tell you you're changed. And, you know, and it's like. Nope, he's going to screw up again. I'm going to tell you, he's going to screw up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it kind of also got you involved in the movie more, you know? Yeah, and I think that 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 part to me was actually, I think, the most interesting thing happening in the film from a, from a worldview standpoint. I mean, you have, um, you know, he, he has thrown the towel. It, it almost reminded me or I should say the scene from homecoming where, you know, uh, Tony Stark takes away the suit and he kind of just goes back to normal life in high school. Uh, it's very similar kind of feel. And then, they yes. get, yeah, it, but this one was interesting in that, you know, he goes back to visit with Aunt May and she's moving out of their, um, you know, place to, to an apartment. And, you know, there's this uh, interesting interact or speech that Aunt May gives that um, about heroes. And, you know, I don't necessarily agree with everything that she said in it, but it was interesting that uh, she, you know, it, it was it was enough to talk about the value that heroes have and that. You know, she's like, I believe that we have a hero in all of us, you know, aspiring to be better or whatever. And, you know, so so that I thought that was interesting the way they, they decided to portray it that way. I thought I think it's kind of where the, the movie turns back, where Peter's going to have to get back into it, because like like you said, he gets sucked back in because he's going to talk to Mary Jane about it. And all of a sudden there's a big car thrown at him. Right. So what are we yes. going to do? You know? So, right. I, she all of a sudden is she has a revelation because she, uh, yeah, that's the other goes thing. with Jameson and asks him to lean over so she can kiss him. Oh, yeah. And yeah. she and she realizes that, yeah, you know what? I can't marry this guy or I don't know if I'm going to marry him or not, you know? Yeah, which I don't know. That just sounds that's that anyway. No, but it's just a confliction. Yeah, yeah, it is. But the other thing that um is interesting about that is like in that scene where Aunt May's talking about heroes and everything like that, I, I'm wondering if it was 
Raimi's intention that Aunt May was talking around the fact that she figured out that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. I don't know. What do you think? Well, yes, that's a that's a very uh, good. Um, and I, I believe I felt the same way yeah. as you. That the way she was looking at him and yeah. talking to him. Yeah. It was like. You need to get out there and do what you were doing. That, because she had the young man right that lived next door that was helping her pack up stuff. Yes, and she was like, "Well, you know who he wants to be, right? When he grows up, you know, right?" And she's like telling that to Peter, and it's like, "Well, you know, yeah, he really admires that hero Spider-Man." Yeah, and you know that that was interesting the um because you'll probably remember that back in the original comics that uh aunt may was very much against spider-man deathly afraid of him and that he was a, a menace like J. Jonah jameson she shared that same opinion and things didn't really change her opinion didn't uh, didn't really change of him until much much later in fact i don't know when she eventually found out in the comics that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, but well, it depends on which story yeah, obviously, you read. Yeah. But but um, yes, so that's true. So I don't know how I feel about that particular part of it, but you know, I I, I think it was fine. Um, but yeah, I, I, did... I think that she changed when he saved her from right. Doctor Octopus. Absolutely, that that is definitely the story-wise the um, justification right. for it. Which makes sense. And I think that was a good, uh, the way that they were able to uh, work that or, yeah, you know, work all that in together so it would be that way. That's where you get the thought that maybe she's figured it out that he's Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. I, I agree with that okay. wholeheartedly. Cool. Um, I'm going to say, too. Also, that uh, again with the way that they shot this movie, uh-huh. and again with the larger budget, they uh, uh, that wharf, that uh, abandoned warehouse on the wharf, yeah, they actually built a full size uh, for shooting that scene, uh-huh. and then they turned around and built an exact duplicate. Uh, you know, scaled down so that they could uh, do the filming of it sinking down. Huh. That and you know they could have done that CG, but they went ahead and they built it so, to, in order to make it again more realistic, I guess you would say. Yeah, and I think that's are, that's definitely the style of Sam Raimi. Like he's going to do that. You know. Um, yes. So. Well. I thought the, uh, as you talked about the uh, scene in the operating room. Yeah. The chainsaw was definitely an homage. Oh, yeah. Especially. To Evil Dead. Oh, definitely. yeah. 100%. Yeah. You're totally right. <laughs> I know. I saw that, and that's exactly what I thought of right when I saw that. Yeah. Except that it was chrome, you know. Right. But... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Definitely. Oh, boy. So, we get to the end of the story. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Mary Jane finds out that he's Peter's Spider-Man. And she says, well, you know, I think I knew all along. Which brings us back to the end of the first movie. Where she had that look that she knew. Yeah. You know, and uh, Peter then tells her that they can't be together. Right. And he lets her down and uh, her husband-to-be comes and they hug. And I thought to myself, wow, you just kind of had this moment with Peter and now you just go right back to this guy, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And then it looks like they're going to get married. And then it all changes again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, we get Spider-Man back when she says, go get him, Tiger. We see that. And then we get this end credit scene that I thought was really cool. Uh-huh. You know, well, just like the beginning of the, this one, the first one we saw the uh, DNA splicing thing, we saw... This one, all kind of spider webs, you know? Yes, yes. So it was it was a different style, uh, which I thought was interesting. And uh, one of the specials uh, discussed that before they were finished with the first movie, they were already thinking about what they were going to do with the second movie. So I think they... Raimi's mind... Uh, he has the way he thought everything out and the way he pictured it. He was able to do a lot more in this movie than he could do in the first movie, uh, basically because of the budget. But things that he wanted to try, instead of them saying, well, we are not going to be able to do that, it would be like, okay, how would you like us to try to reach that? You know, Do we do it CG? Do you want to do it build it? Do you want to do this or that? Which I thought made the third movie even easier for him to direct. But, Mm. you know, they do say that he's a tough director. Okay. Although he seems to be such a nice guy, you know? But (laughs) Bruce Campbell was telling Tobey Maguire, he says, oh, yeah, on Evil Dead, he used to hit me all the time, you know? And, And he was like, he can't really hit me a lot on this set because there's a lot more people around. <laughs> so when we did Evil Dead, there was only like six or eight people around at a time, so nobody could, nobody saw him hit me. <laughs> Toby, it was kind of funny though the things that they did. But I thought that uh, everything that I saw that uh, was a special feature that showed him, uh, he was saying things. That, hey, you know, you're either going to do it my way or I'm going to replace you or you're I'm going to make you get off the set. What, you're arguing with me? Okay, go sit down, you know, or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. he And they tried to make him look like a mean guy, but it looks looked to me like everybody loved him. Yeah. You know, that he was such a... Uh, for somebody, you know, as the director, he has the... the this vision of how he wants everything to work out. And what I saw was people that wanted to make his vision come to life. 
Yeah. You know, and I think it was very successful in this movie. Yeah. And the only thing that I didn't really care for is there was no teasers. Yeah. You know, but there again, this was before they started doing stuff like that. Well, no, not really. I guess because there was one in the X-Men movie, right? Uh, as we recalled at the end. Yeah, the third uh, X-Men movie. Yes, there yeah. was a little teaser there that never really came to fruition. But anyways, I digress. So, anything else you got on your mind that you'd like to discuss worldview-wise? No. no, I think we, I already covered everything I want to. And yeah, I'm fun with it. Yes. Oh, man. Again, one of my favorite movies. Uh, and um, since you got the first rating, I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. Uh, I'm going to rate this movie. For me, it was a nine. Wow. Cool. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Got wrapped up into even the chick flit part of the story. Yeah. You know, I mean, you couldn't keep away from it. Yeah. Which is one of the things that I really enjoyed about the whole movie. And I think that also is what made it so successful. Oh, absolutely. 100% agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Because it uh, was a movie for all ages. Yeah. I don't think if you were 10 yep. to 95, you could have enjoyed that movie. You sure, know? sure. Well, you don't think the 95-year-old would have enjoyed it? No, I was just thinking that, you know, when Piper saw Mary Jane's wedding dress, she was excited about that, too. So five-year-olds <laughs> could even get something out of it. Yes, there you go. Even a five-year-old. Uh, you know, I thought about Piper, too, when I saw that. Yeah, so. I said, well, I wonder if Piper's going to watch this yeah, so with Ron. So that was well. That's good. Yeah, yeah. For, okay, I gave my opinion. How about you? Yeah, I'd say an eight point five for me. I think it is slightly better than the first movie. Um, you know, for, I think honestly the movie was about twenty minutes too long for me. I think they could have taken some of the longer parts and um taken them out. You know, uh, we didn't need a full montage of Spider-Man or Peter Parker no longer being Spider-Man or, yeah, I think for me it was just a little bit too long, but that's well, the, you that's know, the only Raindrops keep falling on my head was a little bit, you know. Yeah, I it, that was to me the, the only thing that I would say negative about. I think it's, I think it was a well-written film. I do think that the actors did a fantastic job. I do think Sam Raimi's direction uh, was very good, and um, you know I do appreciate its uh, broad appeal. You know sometimes people can uh, pan a movie for that by having too broad of an appeal, but I think actually this was very helpful because I think it gives a gateway for people into the superhero genre of movies. Like if I was going to show a superhero movie to somebody, um, I probably would. Spider Man Two would be one of them because. It's got something for everybody, and um, that is a good thing. So that that's that's yes, I agree with that. Yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Well, I I totally agree with that, and um, I'm going to say that uh, the only part of the next one that we're going to review, yeah, is that I originally saw it in IMAX. Okay, 
And that was spectacular. However, the only bad part was where we were sitting. It was hard to see everything at one time. Ah, uh, yeah. But uh, we'll discuss it next week. Uh, there were a lot of things in there that were uh, spectacular seeing it in IMAX. Wow. And we actually, uh, Mom and I got to see it for free uh-huh. on IMAX. Because what happened was is that in Jacksonville at the time that we moved up here, uh, for years there was only one comic book store in Jacksonville. Uh, so... I started frequenting it, and uh, it just so happened that when Spider-Man 3 came out, we I went to the comic book store, and it was a new owner. Uh-huh. And he was like, hey, you know, I'm glad you're a customer. And he goes, I have these tickets to the IMAX for Spider-Man 3. Would you like a couple? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> so... Uh, your mom and I took a drive to St. Augustine and saw it in IMAX. It was really cool. Yeah. So, anyways, that's anticipation for next week. Yep, absolutely. All right. So, all right, so we're good then. Yep, we're good. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Pops Collection. If you have any feedback, feel free to like us on Facebook or Twitter and send us a message. And uh, we will see you next week with Spider-Man 3. Goodbye and God bless. Goodbye, God bless, and tell your friends.